Hello, this is Yaro, and you're listening to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Justin Cook. Hello, this is Yaro Stark, and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey podcast interview. Today on the line with me, I have a Mr. Justin Cook coming all the way from the Philippines, where he currently lives. And Justin is known for a few things, though I know him mostly involved with the buying and selling websites area of internet marketing, an area I've dived into a bit myself. So uh, he is part of a team who runs Empire Flippers, which is a, a website and a brand I have heard mentioned over the years many, many times, actually, I think as a place to source websites for sale and also learn about the art of buying and selling websites. So we're grabbing Justin to find out how how it all got set up and you know how he reached this point with his own business. So Justin, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me on, Yar. Appreciate it. So I was just asking you for some vanity numbers so we can uh, wow the the audience with <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and and actually, this helps clarify too because I actually don't know the specific breakdown of what Empire Flippers is now. I know it's teaching, but it's also buying and selling, like a place you can actually sell your website or buy other websites. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's funny because we talked about this briefly before the show. You know, you're asking for vanity metrics or whatever, and, and we do a monthly report every month. So we, we kind of break down our revenue and kind of you know what we're doing, what we're up to. But it's always weird to talk about it, right? <laughs> it's always a little different when you're blogging. Just about read it the blog post out to me if you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. No. So so we our our business in total did uh, just a little over six hundred thousand in total revenue uh, for 2013, and uh, in the first quarter of 2014. Uh, we've helped others sell a total of just over $250,000 in uh, websites and, and small online businesses. So our focus has been shifting over the last year or so to really helping kind of like the micropreneurs or the micro moguls, um, you know, build up their portfolio of online businesses and help them, you know, sell off these assets or online properties uh, to move on to other ventures. And that's, that's really our focus today. So, so people come to you with either a website or a set of websites they want to sell, and you you kind of act as brokers as well as marketers. Is that pretty much that's right? right? Okay. Yeah. So we kind of we got into that over time, but yeah, like helping you know match buyers and sellers is is uh, is our focus today. Yeah. Okay, but you've done other things prior to that. I know there's a teaching component to all of this as well. So, but you know what? Let's let's reach that point when we get there. Uh, I'm curious because I know. You you haven't been always involved in the buying and selling businesses area, so uh, let's go back in time. You born and raised not in the Philippines, I'm assuming. <laughs> my accent gives that away. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, originally, my business partner and I, we had a a real estate company in the U.S. and this is 2005, 2006, a mortgage company, and you know the real estate industry didn't do so well around that time and. Our business crashed and burned. Um, we ended up going out of business. And but what we'd done, we had a virtual assistant working with us. I mean, that was amazing value. And this is like pre-ODAS days, right? So we had a virtual assistant in the Philippines, and she was amazing value. So skip forward a little bit. You know, I had to go find a job. Uh, started working for a local SEO company, and Joe ended up, my business partner now, ended up working there with me. And they had a need for kind of offshore people, right? We were hiring right and left. If you have a pulse. Will hire you. So we were yeah, mid-level managers at a medium-sized company, and we were hiring a bunch of Americans. And we said, "Look, we have a connection in the Philippines. We should explore that option." So we started hiring people, and and eventually, my business partner and I put together a plan 
uh, you know, actually it was on a, like a napkin over beers at an Outback Steakhouse in, uh, in, in the U.S. And we're, we're, we're saying, how can we set up our own company? And, and we're ready to, you know, to take the entrepreneurial step again after, you know, a couple of years of working for someone else. Um, we needed that break, I think, to kind of, yeah, we were gun shy after losing our first business. And then we started putting together a plan and we actually, you know, <laughs> took it off the napkin and put it on a PowerPoint and presented it to our CEO, CFO, and they went for it. So we ended up setting up a company in the Philippines uh, to do some of the back office processes for this uh, company that we worked at in the U.S. And we actually went into HR and like signed ourselves out of the company, you know, so, so we, we were basically quitting our jobs and outsourcing ourselves to the Philippines as well. And that was that was an awkward moment with the the HR manager, but we ended up signing off and, and moving out to the Philippines and starting our outsourcing company. I'm curious your qualifications prior to all of this. Like, you know, it sounds like you already know about hiring and you you know you have experience running your own business. Where did that all come from? So, you know, when we started, I look back and I call our mortgage company a company, but we we didn't really know what we were doing. We knew that that working for ourselves was interesting. Uh, Joe and I had both worked as loan officers for a mortgage company before, and we realized they were making a bunch of money on our, our you know, sweat and tears and blood. So I said, why don't we do this for ourselves? Um, and it was, it was really, I guess, kind of a greed thing that got us started or got us into it. Okay. <laughs> we said, wow, there's a lot of extra money. And, and we kind of fumbled our way through it. I remember for the, for the uh, real mortgage company, there's a program in the US called SCORE, and they basically match. It's a free uh, program put on by I think the uh, Small Business Association or something. And they they match you up with a more experienced entrepreneur or business owner. And they actually will do things like you know mentor you and kind of guide you, help you look at your business objectively. And that was that was actually a really fantastic program for us. It helped us out a lot. Okay, so I'm assuming this was your first foray into having your own business was with the mortgages and before that I'm, I'm not going to ask the how old you are question Justin because I know that I mean you're not you're not female so it's not as big a deal uh, well, I mean, I'm 36 <laughs> okay. so we were mid-20s when this was kind of all going down um, about eight years ago yeah okay then before I did that you were any studies I'm just I was curious whether people were entrepreneurs to begin with or they've sort of stumbled their way into it or they actually you know had jobs they hated and had to get away from that in order and that's why they started their own business so yeah when i was young i wasn't terribly entrepreneur i ended up i was in the u.s navy um so i'd done quite a bit of traveling during that time i realized that the navy wasn't for me but i i wasn't very entrepreneurial um i when i got out of the navy i went to college and i had done some stuff on the side so i was selling some things on ebay i actually found out about drop shipping and this is this is like 2003, 2004, where it wasn't nearly as easy as it, as it is today, um, comparatively. But I had done some a little bit of drop shipping. I was selling like uh, baby G watches and like some like uh, fake drills out of China, <laughs> like fake you know uh, uh, eighty dollar drills. And and so I'd done some of that um, just to make a bit of cash while I was in school. So before that, though, prior to like you know uh, 2003, I wasn't entrepreneurial at all, really. Um, I just realized that you know it is it's a way for me to make extra cash, and at that time it was no, it wasn't a business; it was more of a hustle for me to make a bit of extra cash while I was in school. Okay, so you, you had the almost traditional start of eBay and then drop shipping. That's and it's funny; most people or a lot of people I interview who've been doing this since the late '90s, early 2000s, always have at least some experience with an eBay something there. 
it's just like this gateway drug to the world of internet marketing, I think, sometimes. It's, <laughs> it's like that eBay for, for the entrepreneurial kind of side. And like, you know, more recently, like Tim Ferriss's four hour work week for the expat entrepreneurs, yes. right? Everyone, oh, that book got me started. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so true. So it's eBay and Tim's fault. There we go. Yeah. All right, so fast forward, you went from Navy, a bit of hustling on the side of selling a few things, eBay, drop shipping, eventually led to starting your own mortgage company, which you got a bit of mentoring through that mentoring program in the States called SCORE. Didn't go so well due to the sort of GFC time and the bubble you guys had crashing in the States with your property market, I assume. Then you got involved with this other company, which then led you to the world of outsourcing to the Philippines, and by the sounds of it, eventually your own company around this as well. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, that's right. So, so we ended up moving out to the Philippines and, and starting our outsourcing company. It was, it was weird because we were really beholden to our previous employer. So they were our main client. And, and we started adding uh, new clients here and there, and probably not in the best way. Uh, you know, but they would cut back. So they'd cut back a few agents, and we'd add in a new client, cut back a few agents, we add a new client. It wasn't much more than a lifestyle business. Like it paid our bills, and it gave us a, a, you know, a fair salary. Um, but it wasn't... We weren't growing it like we thought that we would. Uh, eventually, that our previous employer cut us out completely, dropped um, everything, and we had leftover people, like trained, you know, capable employees, team members that we didn't have anything to do with. And so we we looked around for something to do, and we tested a couple of things. And what we ended up doing were you know building out these smaller niche sites that were profitable. Uh, not wildly so, but enough to kind of you know pay their salaries until we could get them a real job. That's that's what we were thinking. Get them a real job, and this will just be kind of temporary. Um, so they were building out these sites. Uh, this is in December of 2010, uh, and we we spent probably a few thousand dollars in December. We made like you know I put a bunch of hours of my time. Um, my business partner was working at it. Uh, we had some some uh, agents, some team members here working on it. We made about thirty something dollars, so it was not not a great return the first month. Um, the second month, third month, it started doing a bit better, to the point where we said we might be onto something here. You know, maybe we don't need to replace these guys with clients. Maybe we can, you know, have our own product, our own, you know, delivery, uh, which are these these niche websites. And it was, at, I think, in April of 2011 where we made the decision to sell some off. Um, we wanted to grow. Uh, we want to scale the business, start creating more of these sites, and you know, obviously, uh, get to that point quicker. But it would take too long if we had to wait to realize the cash. So it was a cash flow issue. We can we can put more money into this, invest more money of our own cash, and try to get to scale, or we can sell these off and reinvest that cash into scaling the process. And that was the decision we made. And ultimately, I think you know the the one that led to kind of where we are today. So these early niche sites, did you? follow a system like and can you even talk about what subjects you're covering because that's i think for listeners where they might be at you know i don't have anything and and niche marketing is obviously a way to go but it it always seems blurry and people describe it kind of like you did oh you set up some niche sites with some outsources and then money started slowly coming in so how did that work yeah. <laughs> so we had read people like uh, uh nichepursuits.com spencer um you know pat flynn smart passive income and we we'd read a bit about kind of like their uh, niche selection and kind of how they were going after these niche sites and and we put together kind of a blended process um, that I think was like targeting a much smaller uh, keyword or niche so we figured everyone else is going after the larger keywords let's tackle the low hanging fruit so we were going after keywords that are getting anywhere from 900 to 2000 maybe 2500 exact match searches a month 
And these sites, you know, the losers, we call them, might earn 2 or $3 a month, while the winners would earn $20, $30, $50, $100 a month. Um, and then those would be, you know, viable sites for, you know, people to purchase and, and expand and kind of build out. So the winners were, you know, um, moderately successful. You know, $60 a month website yeah. is not, not killing it. But if you figure it costs us about 40 to $50 to create, um, with kind of the system and the process we had in place, it was it was viable. So, you know, what what Joe and I are really good at at doing, and and we learned this, I think, uh, in corporate America in the U.S., but definitely with building our team here is building processes and systems and people um, into you know, like we call it a human machine. So you put something in, it spits something out, and you've got a, a product on the other side. And so that's that's kind of the approach we took here, and we we you know, looked hard at costs and. And ROI, and it was making sense for us. So we started building out and expanding these niche sites. And one thing we did that was different, like we weren't online guys at all. I don't consider myself a writer. Uh, I, I'm, I have to call myself a blogger now, um, maybe reluctantly. But yeah, I, I didn't consider myself like an online guy. We, you know, we're, we're from old school corporate where you don't talk about what you're doing on the internet. You you keep it private. You knock out business, and deals are made. You know, with a handshake and or maybe over the phone. But you know you're not you're not just blogging about it, and but we didn't care with these niche site stuff because it wasn't like a business for us. We were just it was kind of a side gig. So we said, why the hell not? Why, why don't we just talk about it uh, on a blog and kind of explain exactly what we're doing? It's making money. I bet people will be interested in that. Um, and then so we started talking about it, and it really resonated because people were like, wow, okay, I think I could build these sites too. Um, that doesn't sound. Like outrageously difficult. I want to. I want to get started. So they started reading our stuff, and and uh, you know, I, you know, the fact that we kind of quit our jobs and moved to the Philippines, it was kind of normal for us because it was what happened. But other people were like, "Wow, that's pretty amazing. That's an amazing story." And I think that helped resonate with our readers and listeners as well. Mm. Okay, so and I'm assuming when you you call this the human machine, it's pretty much someone setting up WordPress, someone writing some articles, someone doing a bit of keyword research, and that all gets combined together into these little niche websites that make money from AdSense, which is kind of like a formula a lot of people like Pat uh, talk about. Is that sort of true? Yeah, that's, that's, that's how we started off. And we were originally called AdSense Slippers. And so we created this blog and it was, uh, I think it was a Woo Themes theme. It was like a Fiverr logo or something. We said, hey, we're the AdSense Slippers. Here's what we do, and we're going to explain everything transparently, and just just you know give you the the good and the bad, and uh, and and let you know how it's working out, and and that's kind of how we got our our blogging or kind of online start, and and what we realized, you know, with our outsourcing company, we were a bit more vague about what we did. Like we had a nice corporate website, um, we weren't very we weren't very uh, I guess we didn't inject our personality into the business at all. And we switched that with ads and slippers, and we found out that that, like, it's, it was it was a, a a shift in our thinking about the way we should do business. Um, you know, putting ourselves into our business and, and like really um, connecting with customers, it's such a better way to go. And, and we've done that through things like our podcast, for example, um, our blog. What this does, and, and I know that you you know help people you know basically build businesses out of blogging. Um, what this does though, it allows your customers to self-select you. Right, because if they're reading their, your stuff and they agree, they understand kind of where you're coming from and your mindset, and they dig that and they want to work with you. Those are the best customers. Um, the ones where you have to, you know, drag kicking and screaming 
are not so much. So we started really like digging kind of the customers we were getting. And oh, through, I'd say, 2012, um, this niche site stuff and some of the stuff that came with it grew to be about half of our business overall. So we were making about the same amount of money on that as we were with our outsourcing company, which is pretty interesting. So Justin, I'm just trying to get my head around, you have two businesses, the outsourcing business, and I'd like to know more about what exactly that is. But with the AdSense Flippers website, I know you were obviously selling the websites that you were creating, these niche websites. Was there a teaching component where you were also coaching and selling teaching products? Or what what was the two different business models you had, the outsourcing and the AdSense one? So the outsourcing company, basically we had clients in the U.S. and Australia, you know, small clients where they had three or four agents with us, let's say, and we do some kind of like back office processes for them. So sometimes that included things like lead generation. Um, sometimes it was, you know, like some, you know, some copy and paste jobs that like that require like an actual, you know, human being and it couldn't be automated or uh, you know, it, it may be automated in the future, but they needed like a stopgap solution uh, to kind of do the work. And so those were the types of projects we take on with the outsourcing company. Um, and regarding, you know, ads and slippers, you know, we kind of went the approach of free information. So the idea was, is that we're, we're making our money selling the niche websites. And that's, you know, that's what was driving uh, that side of the house. Um, so we took a different approach in that we'll just give everything away for free and describe exactly our process in detail. And so we created a guide called uh, Building a Niche Site Empire. And we put quite a bit of time, effort, love, and energy into this and ended up giving it away for free. And I always wondered, like, if we would have offered it as a course, um, would we have got better distribution? Because our thinking at the time was all about distribution. We want to get our message out there. How can we do it best? And so we had two options. One, we could charge for a course and we could you know, get a bunch of affiliates to help us get the message out and sell this course and give them a big piece of it because we didn't care so much about the money. It was more about the message for us. Uh, or two, we could give it away for free. And so we went the free route and it, it worked out really well for us. We got, um, I forget how many early on, but now it's like more than 40, maybe more than 50,000 downloads uh, of this ebook that we created. Um, so we got a lot of people kind of their start in building small niche websites uh, that made a little bit of money online. And for people that have been burned on other courses before, we got a, a lot of positive feedback saying, look, you know, I've paid you know, 500 bucks for things that I couldn't get to work. I got yours for free, and I've made my first few dollars online. And that's pretty cool, right? That was pretty cool. And so they really responded kind of with our message. Um, and you know, these, the people that wanted to build these sites that were following kind of our guide were not really the people that were buying uh, our websites, sometimes they were, but they were the people that wanted to, uh, you know, do it from scratch. Uh, but they helped spread the message, right? They helped us kind of get our word out there. They were tweeting our stuff. They were sharing it with, you know, other people that they knew online. And so they helped kind of, you know, get our brand out there and get us in front of people that were looking to invest in these websites and purchase websites and build them out. Um, you know, there's always like a, a, a spectrum, right? There's the the one in Rhea, people that have more time than money. And those are the people that want to you know, build out the sites from scratch. They want to tinker with it. They want to learn the process. And so we catered to them by giving them all this free information on exactly what we're doing and how we do it. On the other hand, you have people with more money than time, and we cater to them by offering done-for-you sites. These sites are already created. You can tinker with them, but you don't have to build them from scratch and hope they work. 
So how did that business progress? Because I'm really curious. There are those two groups there, and it sounds like the one different well, point differentiation for you guys compared to, uh, I guess, people like me. I've taught a little bit about buying and selling blogs and, and websites, and I've written blog posts about it. Uh, but I never went as far as basically selling as my strategy. I sold the sites I had. Once they were sold, I'd moved on to teaching blogging. With you, you guys had this group of people who were making the niche sites, and then you were filling your own database, basically your own catalog of websites for sale, which it sounds like uh, it sounds like obviously a smart idea, assuming you, you have a proven method, which you guys did for producing valuable sites. Um, it, it, it did like... I'm I'm kind of curious how like what surfaced as the the real um, cash cow or the the strength of the part of your business that was really reliable because you know teaching can be a bit hit and miss you do a launch then you stop where if you can always produce new websites for sale then you should always have new buyers is that right yeah that's that's pretty right one thing that we realized and because we did a little bit of consulting right so we had people kind of buy our time and we would do some consulting with them we realized pretty quickly that we didn't like it all that much we were not great consultants and we just it just didn't it wasn't fun right it wasn't something that either of us enjoyed and so we did a little bit of it but we we kind of dropped that and it feels like if I can get a message out to a larger group of people, that tends I feel like that tends to be more valuable. Like it's creating more value in the space, right? Than just doing the one on one. Maybe that one on one is more helpful for one individual person, but you know, maximum value is when you can share it with a larger group of people. So, you know, we were we were building these sites out ourselves and and we're kind of slow to catch on to things. So uh, you know, we had people asking us, hey, you know, can you help us sell our sites, right? Um, can you, you know, um, help us sell to your audience, people that are looking to buy sites? And we kept saying no, 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 because um, we figured, you know, we don't want to um, cannibalize our own business of selling sites, right? So if we start offering other people's sites, are they not going to want to buy our sites anymore? Um, we also had buyers that were asking us, hey, you're selling on Flippa, but every time I, you know, I see the sites get purchased, that you end up with like two dozen copycats because we started to you know get a larger audience. Is there any way you can sell them to me without sharing the URL, without sharing it publicly? And we said no, 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 not, not at first. And then we said, hey, that might be a good idea. So if we sell them privately through our site um, and we're not sharing it publicly for the world to see what the niche is, it's gonna be more protective for the buyer. So this is actually a buyer's request that we started selling privately and and got away from Flippa. So we started selling privately. Eventually, we said, look, there are a lot of other people that are building niche sites that have these, you know, profitable sites that they they're looking to sell as well. They don't have, you know, the traction or the audience that we do with people that are looking to buy sites. Why don't we let them sell with us? So we took on that risk of cannibalizing our own sites for sale, and that was kind of like a big moment for us. Uh this was this is when we switched from AdSense Flippers to Empire Flippers, and this was uh, early in 2013. Uh, and we started letting other people sell with us as well, and it worked out fantastically. So, you know, people you know would bring us their sites, uh, list their sites with us, and they were selling really quickly. Quickly, in fact, we have an inventory problem. Our problem today is that we simply can't find enough good sites uh, to sell to the buyers that want to buy them. We have a, a vetting process, so. We're looking for win-wins between buyers and sellers. So we vet all sites that are listed with us. We reject about 40% of sites that people want to sell um, because they just don't meet our criteria. 
Um, but the ones that pass are sites that are you know good, that are uh, uh, stable in terms of having you know good link profiles, um, have solid, uh, consistent, and generally growing uh, earnings. Um, and so buyers really appreciate not having to you know dig through you know all the crap to find the gems. As I'm sure you're familiar with with you know places like Flippa. Um, so yeah, that's that was our aha moment. I guess is is you know the fact that we've got a market. There's buyers and sellers, and they're, they appreciate the fact that we're able to bring them together and, and uh, you know, make deals happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's primarily what you focus on today with Empire Flippers, right? That's your current business? It is. So, yeah, as of March, we, we made a brand shift from AdSense Flippers to Empire Flippers, and I don't think we executed it all that well. We were still kind of known as the niche site builders um, with AdSense Flippers, and when we started to do more brokering and provide a marketplace for buyers and sellers, we didn't message that very well. And so a lot of people still thought, oh, well, they're the niche site guys. They create niche sites. And our business had changed a bit, and more of our revenue was coming from the brokering. And we had moved up market. So we now we were doing you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 website buying and selling. Um, so it, it had changed, and we didn't message that very well. So our focus uh, at the end of 2013 and, and into 2014 was... You know, let's let's explain kind of what we're doing, and what we do now is, you know, mini moguls is what we call it. So, if you want to be a mini mogul and own a portfolio of sites, um, you know, you can buy sites from us. Uh, people that are looking to sell off their online web properties and maybe, uh, you know, reinvest that cash into other projects that they really want to work on. Maybe they're done with their website or their small business and they want to move on. We offer them you know, offer them an opportunity to do that. So, yeah, that's our that's our focus through 2014. We want to be the number one place. Or established profitable websites in the you know ten thousand to one hundred two hundred thousand dollar range, um, and I'll tell you, Yaro, it's really rewarding. So you have guys that are selling their. We've got two guys in the last twelve months have made one of them well over a hundred thousand, and one of them at about a hundred thousand dollars selling their mini online businesses with us, and. And it's not like it's not retirement money. It's not like a it's like a mini exit or a micro exit, and it gives you the cash to reinvest into other projects that you know maybe you're really passionate about or that you know mm-hmm. you have a partner with and you really, really want to do. So it's it's at least temporarily it's life changing money. It could be a pivotal moment in someone's life, um, and it's it's cool to be a part of that. And you certainly could live in the Philippines for a long time on $100,000 US, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, some, some of the guys that are doing this buying and selling are kind of the expat entrepreneurs. So, you know, they're doing the, I mean, I'll tell you the whole like laptop on the beach is a bit overrated with the sand and everything, but they're doing that, right? So they're in places like Phuket, they're in places like Ho Chi Minh, Chiang Mai, Davao, uh, you know, Boracay, and they're buying and selling websites, they're building websites to sell. And that's how they make their living, and it's it doesn't require you know a crazy team of people. Generally, they have a couple of VAs that kind of build out the sites after they've purchased them, or um, you know they're doing some work on the sites, preparing them for sale. But it's it's it doesn't require the kind of team that we need right now for the vetting and and the products and services mm-hmm. that we offer. I'd love to ask you, uh, Justin, because I've spoken to a few other you know, brokers. Thomas Smiley, I interviewed him once, and I've done a few interviews with people who've just done a deal, like bought something and grown it. And I've done that myself several times. I'm curious on your take, uh, for the person listening to this, there's, well, two things. I, I, the hundred, let's stick with that $100,000 exit, because I think that is a really nice 
point to look at. And I'm sure there's some people listening into this who might have a small niche site or, or a blog right now, even that is making some money and they'd love to, you know, get out somehow. But getting out with that kind of exit seems so much more appealing. What exactly does it take to sell a website that's four hundred thousand? Like, how good does the site have to be today in order to get that kind of figure for it? Well, yeah, it's going to need to be profitable for sure. So, <laughs> okay, uh, we we base the sites um, on a multiple of net monthly profit. So, for example, if your site is making you know it's making forty five hundred dollars a month, um, but you've got some cost of goods in there. You've got some advertising costs. Let's say you're making two thousand dollars a month in net profit. Uh, with us, you could sell that site for forty thousand um, dollars. We take uh, six thousand of that, um, or fifteen percent, and then you end up keeping the rest. Um, now, that's not that's not the only thing to look at. Um, that's that's the price we're going to list for, and that's the price you'll sell the site for. But there are other considerations as well. So. You know, we sell uh, just over ninety-five percent of the sites that we've listed, so they sell really well. Um, but the few that haven't, here are some of the problems uh, that we come across. So, and, and why do you reject sites too? You said you reject like forty percent. Yeah, yeah. So, he, first off, rejecting sites. Um, one of the big ones, and this may seem uh, a little odd, is that you know, the person doesn't have any kind of online persona. Right, so there, there, you know, we we ask for a Facebook page, we ask for a Twitter account, LinkedIn, and they have either they have nothing, they say they have nothing online, or their Facebook page is obviously fake likes and fake friends and that kind of thing. And and we just we found, and this is kind of like this weird kind of rule we we learned with outsourcing. We don't even bother doing business with people who don't give us their real names, their real personas. Like if they're checking, you know, into us, they want to become a client of ours. On the outsourcing side, if they're not very upfront about who they are and, and they're not easily researchable, it's a complete waste of time. So we, we put that in place and it saved us so much time with, you know, like time wasters and people that aren't really serious. And we've applied the same thing to website sellers and it saves us a whole bunch of time from people that are either looking to scam or, you know, just they're not on the up and up. And I'm sure I'm sure that we've lost deals. There have probably been a few deals that we end up saying no to that were probably good and legitimate sites, and they really are just shy about being on the internet. Um, but in our business, like you just you got, I mean, it's 2014. You got to have some kind of online presence, and if you don't have anything, that's really odd to us. So that's one of the things. And then obviously, we look at both uh, the, the seller and the site itself. So reasons we'll reject the site is that. Um, the earnings are way too streaky, or they may be temporary. Like they're taking advantage of something like, um, you know, the the Super Bowl, or they're taking advantage of you know a particular a model of car for that year when it's to be popular then and not necessarily in the future. Um, we reject sites that we you know, that are uh, non falsifiable or non verifiable. So if we, you know, it looks like it might be legit, but they just refuse to give us, let's say, analytics access or something, um, then we just we won't do business that with that. We won't take that site on. So, so those are a few of the reasons that we reject uh, sites and sellers uh, from our marketplace. Um, a few. Of the, what was the other question? Well, you were telling me which there was a couple of sites that haven't sold and why that was. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, one thing that will help a site sell faster is if um, you've got uh, your process documented, and you've got, let's say, if there is any uh, work required, you've got you know virtual assistants or someone that you know generally takes care of that. 
Uh, if if it's a whole bunch of work on your end, like a lot of the people that are portfolio investors, at least, they're not looking for a job, right? So they're not looking to add another twenty hours a week in stress in their life. They're looking for something that um, has people in place that want it already. So if if it's more of a job, um, that may be less interesting to some investors. Some some are cool with it. They're actually looking for something they can take on and quit their job and kind of build out and and move to Thailand and live on a beach. So it works for some, but it's it cuts out the kind of portfolio investors. Also, things that require like too much uh, technical or specialized knowledge. So if I'm not a very technical guy. I can't buy a site that has all these crazy technical requirements. I have to be a coder or programmer or something. That's just not going to work for me. Um, so you're limiting your buying pool if it's not accessible to, uh, you know, a larger amount of people. Or let's say that you know you have to write content about I don't know, um, you know, uh, the stars and you know <laughs> the d- different galaxies. And if I don't know that, and it's hard for me to find a writer to do that. I can't go to text broker. And find someone who can write this very specific, uh, you know, um, astronomy um, content. It's going to be more difficult. So sites like those where it requires spe- uh, specialized or technical knowledge don't sell as quickly. I'm sure there are buyers out there, but you know, it's 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 more difficult because you're very limited. So so those are the reasons generally that uh, sites take longer to sell or, or haven't sold with us. What, like you said before, a $2,000 website could sell, sorry, 2000 per month in income website will go for 40000 correct? That's right. So is that like a linear thing? If I want to sell a website for 100000 like that's our goal, then I need to be making somewhere around four to 6000 a month from the, the website? That's right, 5000 net a month. And so you know, we, we found this 20x net monthly profit multiple. Um, through a process of trial and error, so we were we had a fairly large audience. We would list sites on Flippa, and we would start them off at a dollar with no reserve, and kind of see where they get up to. And we noticed sites would sell for eighteen x, twenty x, twenty two x, twenty three x sometimes, and that seemed to be right around where most of the sites would sell. And that seems to be true for you know the under hundred thousand dollar space. Now, when you get up to you know five hundred thousand, six hundred million dollar uh, businesses, you're, you sometimes you get much larger uh, multiples. So let's say you have a SaaS business that has very predictable recurring revenue, and you have a certain trajectory, and you know your lifetime value of a client. Um, sometimes those are going to sell for more. You might get three uh, years, right? Or you may even uh, base the the value on projected earnings uh, at times. But for you know, kind of the smaller space. We're talking, you know, for a fifty thousand dollar acquisition, we don't have you know big teams of lawyers on either side doing like crazy due diligence. It's a much more cowboy, you know, approach to it. You gotta you gotta do a lot of your own due, due diligence, and you don't have whole teams of people supporting the purchase. So yeah, it's it, it's a really interesting space, and uh, I think um, I, I think that it provides a lot of opportunity for the rest of us. Mm. Right? I mean, it's it's great to hear about these, you know. Fifteen million dollar exits, uh, you know, on all the tech sites. But you know, there are real people having seventy thousand dollar exits and forty thousand dollar exits, and I think that's that's a place that we that really resonates with us because that's 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 what we're familiar with. Those are things that we've done, and and so we're happy to support that community. Mm-hmm. I think you know the the, the average uh, kind of entrepreneur. 
Right, which is the kind of person I'd like to mention now. The average blogger who's very much listening into this would be, you know, someone interested in blogging, possibly has a blog themselves already. Uh, maybe they have a few, but they want to get out of that niche and that industry. I'm curious, what's your take on selling a blog, in particular if all the writing on the blog to this point has very much been associated with your, your personal brand? Yeah, that's interesting. So if it's uh, you know entrepreneur's journey, for example, um, might be a bit more difficult because it's very, I think, wrapped up and tied in with you. But there are bloggers where they have you know a lot of guest posts, and they are you know it's more of a community approach. I think that the sellability of a business like that is going to be um, better. The, you know, blogs that uh, that are um, I'd say personally focused, like, like for example, Empire Flippers, our site is very Joe and I. It has a lot of personality in it. And I think it might be difficult uh, to sell it as it is today. But that's something that over time with your business that you can start to inject other people into as you build out a team. And so if you're looking for kind of a longer haul sale, that's something that you might want to start doing is introducing other people or uh, you know industry experts on and maybe building it into more of a collaborative uh, effort or collaborative work. And that will make the business much more sellable, potentially to the other people that are blogging. Um, but definitely, when you have you know five or six regular authors, uh, someone's going to be more interested in that because you know, in case someone gets you know hit by a bus or something, <laughs> you still have other people there uh, that are able to keep the work going. Mm-hmm. There's one other question I'm, I'm really curious about too, with regards to traffic, because. I think traffic and money are the two most important components when selling a business, like you said. So everything pretty much is related to looking at those numbers in in some aspect, whether it's how you get your traffic or how you make your money, how sustainable is it, how, like you said, time-dependent or event-dependent is it. I've noticed a lot of websites for sale that don't have organic sources of traffic. They have paid sources of traffic. Like they buy pay per click. Now, for example, someone might be listening to this who has an ebook and they make most of their sales through Facebook advertising, which is something that they spend money on. They can turn off and on whenever they want to, sort of thing. But it, you know, it doesn't, it's not organic. It's not like a blog, which I have search traffic coming in on a consistent basis, repeat readers, direct visitors, that sort of thing. Do, yeah. you, do you take on those sorts of websites that have paid for traffic only? Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like sellers, uh, they tend to worry about things that are um, non-issue from a buyer perspective. So we hear people, you know, sellers go, you know, most of my my traffic is organic. Like, is that problematic? Because what if my rankings drop or there's a problem there? You have other sellers that you know are like, most of my traffic is paid traffic. Don't buyers are buyers looking for more organic traffic? Will my you know ad adwords campaign work uh, in a sale? And you know the fact is, yes, yes, they absolutely both work. In fact, I'd like to see a bit of paid traffic or, or social media traffic. Um, it's it's fantastic. It you know it, it's a it generally can diversify the site a bit more, and and some some buyers appreciate that. Um, what I would say though too is that you have to remember, you know, a portfolio buyer may have a bunch of organic sites already today, and so instead of trying to diversify an individual site or mini business. They're looking to diversify their portfolio, so they'd rather buy a paid traffic site because that adds diversity to their portfolio overall. They don't care that it's mostly paid traffic because most of their other sites are organic. So, you know, I think disclosing everything is really important. And, and when you're looking to sell the site, that's that's one of the things we do in the vetting process. Is 
is you know kind of dig into these questions and try to figure it out with you and and as a seller explain to you look no 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 you want to disclose everything very clearly and very upfront because you're going to get the right buyer for the site that way mm-hmm. so if your traffic is mostly facebook there are buyers out there looking to get into the social media traffic game and your site might be just the right site for them and, and for their portfolio and for their needs at the time. So I think it's it's very important to be very clear and uh, you know about your traffic sources, how things are working, because you're going to end up with the best buyer for you uh, if you do that. All right, Justin. Uh, just one more subject matter to cover before I think we can wrap this up, which is the one side of the coin we haven't talked about yet. So the, the buyer side, which they're probably are quite a lot of people listening to this who are thinking, you know what, I actually want to get into owning a profitable website through an acquisition rather than building something from scratch. Um, I know you said you catered to, it sounds like the sort of 10,000 to six-figure type websites. Um, And I want to try and cater to two groups here. There's the people who have very little money. (laughs) You know, they might have, like, they want to get started with $500 and and buy their first website and learn on that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And then there's the people who, you know, maybe a retiree or uh, they've just come into some money from some other method. They've got 50 grand to invest. They don't want to buy a website and then realize that they just waste their money because they don't just, you know, the, 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 the income just disappears within two months after buying it. So, yeah. Um, can you advise potential buyers? What's the smartest practice to get into this game coming from a beginner and from a I've got a lump sum of cash to invest in? So, you know, obviously we're happy to uh, to sell you sites, but <laughs> the truth the truth of the matter is for both groups, what we really advise is that you should um, build some sites out yourself. And you can do that from scratch. You can do it with a smaller niche site. Um, and and even if you have the 50,000 you don't have much time, if you buy a site uh, that's making, in, in this case, $2,500 in net profit per month, it's a much steeper learning curve to try to you know, purchase that and try to play around with it and try to figure out how it's working. Um, when the basics are things like keyword research, um, you know, how do you work with WordPress, you know, how do you um, change monetization methods, how do you add content to the site? I mean, these are kind of the basics that if you don't understand that, you really shouldn't be buying a site at all. So for both groups, we recommend starting off from scratch and building a couple of niche sites out yourself. And and once you've done that, uh, the uh, the person with more cash to invest, they can then go and skip all the other steps um, once they've got the basics down and start buying thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars sites. Um, for the the person that's looking to start out and they don't have as much cash, if it's under a thousand dollars. You know, it's really difficult to buy a site um, because that's where you tend to have like a lot of the scams or the not necessarily scams, but just like a site that's not earning consistently or doesn't have much earnings. And I, I generally think it's better to start from scratch. I'd rather take that five hundred dollars, um, invest in you know keyword research tool, um, buy some content, buy a few domains. You're better spending on building out your own sites than trying to buy one for five or six hundred bucks. That's that's my, my my general thought. And and build out a few sites, get them profitable, maybe sell those, and then look at reinvesting the funds into purchasing larger sites. But yeah, I mean, under under a thousand bucks, I don't recommend buying. I recommend building out from scratch. And even for the guy that has fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars to invest and wants to look at some of these investments, 
you know, doing it yourself first and getting like the basic fundamentals down is key. And I know it takes some time, but you just, you can't skip that step. It's, it's a bad idea to try and skip that step because you'll end up with a site that you don't know how to run and you don't know how to expand and you don't know how to, you know, um, grow. So yeah, the, the basics are key for both groups, I think. Okay. So if you want to see what you guys have for sale at the moment, uh, where do we go? So you can check out our marketplace. It's uh, empireflippers.com slash marketplace. Um, you know, obviously our blog and everything else is empireflippers.com. And we have a, uh, a podcast where we talk about you know, being expat entrepreneurs and, you know, trying to build a marketplace and buying and selling websites. Um, that's on iTunes, Empire Flippers podcast. And if we're looking to maybe use your services to sell an asset, a web asset we have, how would we engage you for that? Yeah, on the marketplace, uh, there's a place for sellers if they're looking to sell their sites. Uh, they can just click there and they can go ahead and, and go through the submission process. Um, and we'll, I'll give a link to you that you can put in the show notes. Um, we also have, it's new, um, but we just started, it's called, a, we're calling it a want to buy board. So we have uh, trusted buyers, previous buyers of ours that have bought websites and businesses. And it's at empireflippers.com slash WTB dash board. Um, and, and we list out exactly their budget, the types of sites they're looking for, um, you know, and, and all the information about it. So if you're a seller and you think you might potentially have a site that, that's worth something, you can go there and check and see what our actual buyers um, have updated information for and are looking for today. So that's, that's a recent addition, but I think it'll be helpful for someone who's kind of on the fence about selling their business. All right. Thank you, Justin. Uh, any, any more words of advice then before we wrap up the call? No, man, just, you know, thanks so much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope your listeners got some value. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you taking the time to, to share a little bit of your story to begin with and then some great tips and advice for both buyers and sellers of websites and in blogs there, too. So thanks again, Justin Cook from EmpireFlippers.com. Talk to you very soon, Justin. Cool, man. Thanks. Thanks. Catch you later. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. You guys know where to go. It's entrepreneurs-journey.com for my blog. Uh, The EJ podcast on iTunes as well is there. And uh, you can always Google my name, Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, and find everything that I've done that way too. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again very soon. Bye-bye.